This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. And all that jazz. Welcome to the artists. As Godard said, you don't make a movie, the movie makes you. In our movie-making profession, the workings of Murphy's Law is always at its best. In these candid conversations, we unravel those challenges that define the makers in the movie-making business. Hope these chats will inspire and elevate you to keep fighting for your dreams, but with a mode of reality check on it. I'm your host, Suchita, and this podcast is brought to you by Metaphysical Lab. Enjoy the show. The artist season two running up right now. We've been trying to add this uh, curation section for a while now uh, in the podcast. We have not got it up and running till now, uh, but we hope to do that soon. Where we're gonna get some of our favorite curators to tell us what is the kind of content that we could possibly watch that will enrich us and add value to our lives as artists, as filmmakers, and more. Uh, but what we curated this week was this very interesting short film which I had not uh, seen before. That's Truffaut's short film called Les Mistons. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, not very good with French. Um, you can get that on Mubi and you can also watch that on YouTube. Also, very interesting article on Kinoscope which we bumped into on Twitter. It's about Brian De Palma's films, very interesting films. If you like Brian De Palma, if you have not discovered Brian De Palma, go check it out. And the line that mentions is the multi-dimensions of surveillance combined as a medium in the films of Brian De Palma. The first two decades of his career, which is 1965 to 84, routinely grapples with the notion of surveillance and counter-surveillance. But what the perspective is given here is, that surveillant and counter-surveillant are more appropriate distinctions for De Palma's oeuvre at that time than the more commonly used voyeuristic word. So go check it out. Check out the article and check out his films as well. Tell us what you think about it. You can connect with us on all the podcasting platforms as you are aware and you can send in your reviews. You can chat with us. Say hello on our WhatsApp number and do leave in your comments. If there is a specific artist you want us to get on the podcast, you can suggest that as well. I'm your host, and today we have with us very interesting filmmaker, Ravneet Sipi Chadab. Her film Subira has been submitted from Kenya as the official entry for the Academy's 2020. The results are going to be out by 16th of December. Well, I don't want to, to sound this like a progress report or something, but yeah, the shortlist is going to be out by 16th of December. Ravneet's journey has been uh, very unusual as a filmmaker. She discovered her passion of filmmaking much later in her life. She was married, she has kids, and she was in Kenya for 23 years. I and mean, she is in Kenya since 23 years. She's a citizen of Kenya. She's half Kenyan now. Ravneet feels that she, you know, her films are more from a personal space, uh, you know, where she sees inadequacies around her and she wants to make films that can make a difference and they deal with uh, outdated traditions that do not evolve with time, that lead to the oppression of women and her films have a feel-good factor to them. It's a very inspiring tale and the journey of Ravneet 
where we talk in detail about how she started making films after being married and after having her two kids. We hope that the story inspires you and makes you go for your passion, your calling, no matter where you are standing in life right now. How's the weather there? It's raining. It's raining. We're having this unusual weather. Uh-huh. November is supposed to be very nice and bright because we're on the equator, but mm. uh, it's raining currently. Wow. It's beautiful. Rains yeah, in Kenya. Yeah. And it's a beautiful uh, place to be in. I was there in Kenya, you know, like some 8-9 years back. You know, I was working I there. Yeah. <laughs> It's really on the equator, so it's always very green. And yes. <coughs> like Simla in the summers, I tell people, you know. Mm. Oh, yes, absolutely. And Ravneet, you're an Indian living in Kenya and your film Subira has just been submitted for the academies uh, from Kenya. How does that feel? <laughs> it feels very good, actually. You yes. Know? Um, it's a lot of competition, a lot mm. of hard work. Mm-hmm. And when they recognize you that your film is worth to represent Kenya, you know, yes. at the Oscars for 2020, it was really an overwhelming feeling, you know. Absolutely. And and when did you come to know about this? I think last month, October, we mm-hmm. got to know. Okay. And uh, it's a phone call, you know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I got to know a week ago that it may be asked, but you never know about these things, you know. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. So when the phone call actually came, it was very exciting. And um, also more exciting because you're an Indian living in Kenya. And for how long are you living there? I've been here for 23 years. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and of course, I believe you have, uh, you know, you have your kids and your family, everybody there. Yeah. I actually came by an arranged marriage 23 mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. uh, because Indian community has been here since three generations, you know. Yes. So my husband is a Kenyan. His father was born here and his grandfather came from Pakistan before the partition. You are an Indian living there. You're a woman director. You are married. And you've just made your film, first film, Sabira. How did, did this fall in place? Because it's generally that, you know, it's very tough for a woman who's married with kids to come back to a professional life. Actually, that's a very good question because, mm. uh, like you're saying, you know, um, all these factors, the fact that I'm a woman and then I'm married, then I have mm. kids. Yes. How do you juggle it? Then uh, such a thing as a film, you know? Yes. So I think um, out of these, the most uh, difficult was the fact that I had, when I started Subira, it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I first did a short film. Uh, mm-hmm. So this was about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And the kids were very young. Today they are 18 and 20. But mm-hmm. that time they were eight, you know, oh, eight wow. and mm-hmm. 10. Yeah, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. very young. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to uh, leave Nairobi and go to a small island called Lamu. Mm-hmm. And leave them with the house help and all that because mm-hmm. my parents are not here, they're in India. Mm. So that part of juggling, you know, the domestic life with what you wanted to say was very difficult. And second of all, there is, eight years ago, there was no film industry. Still now we have films coming out of Kenya. Yes. So try and figure out, you know, who the financier, who will, you know, supervise my script. Mm-hmm. What does even script structure look like yes. it was very, very difficult you know what motivated you to tell the story why did you want to tell the story um you know i have to refer to my childhood for this hmm. i was uh, when i was in india i was raised in chandigarh and mm-hmm. my early childhood was in ludhiana mm-hmm. and we were in a joint family as children i mm-hmm. was the eldest of two daughters mm-hmm. and uh, 
one day my family just decided to send me to a boarding school in Simla, you know, Auckland mm-hmm. House School. Yes. The, that was to be the defining moment in my life. Mm-hmm. So I didn't recognize it then. Mm-hmm. I was sent every year till the grade 10 I was sent. Mm-hmm. But when I married and I had my second child here, which is my daughter mm-hmm. in year thousand mm-hmm. I just felt I couldn't do my life anymore you know mm-hmm. I just felt conformity and you know society had dictated when I get married who I have to marry mm-hmm. you know all that place mm-hmm. and uh, I just needed to find my own self-expression which the boarding school had so throttled you know it was a British boarding school mm-hmm. they give you rules very well so discipline and all of that mm-hmm. but what is missing is your self-expression and then your unique self-expression mm-hmm. so when I sort of explored my emotions they were just swimming in all different directions you know Mm. so I recognized that uh, I talked to my sister about it she's younger than me Mm -hmm. and she said you've always been you know a good at storytelling and recording memories of family Mm -hmm. because I've never been family I've always been in boarding school somehow Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Mm -hmm. then I think filming is a way of me expressing myself Mm -hmm. and the whole world must watch my point of view. It's coming from that. So mm-hmm. I'm not happy just making films for Kenya, for example, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make for the whole world. And so mm-hmm. that Oscar platform really gives me that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Out of all the professions, she straight away jumped into making films, which is a very complicated profession. It's a layered profession. Um, you need layered skills to be, uh, you know, a filmmaker. How did and when did you start learning the craft? Yeah, so my daughter was um, just born mm-hmm. in the year 2000. And before that, I was in financial services. Mm-hmm. I've always had a degree in business. Mm-hmm. and uh, But, you know, I was making good money, but it was doing nothing for my sense of self. Mm-hmm. And I was not getting fulfilled, whether those, you know, clients, I served them well. Mm-hmm. But when the money came in, it did nothing to me. It was just a piece of paper, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's when I recognized that I need to figure out that hollowness within how do I feel that hollowness Mm. and when I looked at it um, one day I just picked up once my daughter my sister Mm -hmm. we were nourished for New Year's and Mm -hmm. I was telling her the saga I was having Mm -hmm. she was I see the filmmaker because as a child I've always been recording Mm -hmm. even now with my iPhone I'm always recording videos of my family you know lovely Mm -hmm. And I went to the editor and uh, I I knew one very creative editor. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is a five-minute film. Mm. Cut it. Mm. And he goes, yeah, great. But where's the script? I said, what script? (laughs) I didn't You have to have a script in order to shoot. Mm. And I said, it's in my head. He loved it. He said, Mm. okay, come. He gave me a time. And Mm. then a week later, Mm -hmm. I sat with him. I said, this is this and this is the story. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, there used to be this Kenya International Film Festival called mm-hmm. KIF. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about three months later. This, this, was, and, ten and years, this, was, this was 10 years earlier. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So I brought all my friends hmm. and um, we watched it at the theater. And I remember sitting there and having my friends watch my story, mm-hmm. my point of view. Mm-hmm. It was so validating. In my bones, I felt, yes. This mm. is what I want to do in my life, you know. Mm. So from there, now how do you learn? Like you're saying, it's very collaborative. Yes. It's not something easy. Yes. Yeah. So, but a hunger had a fire in my belly, mm. and from there, there was, a, you know, an American student who came from USC mm-hmm. uh, to do his project. His finally a project mm-hmm. called Kibera Kid, and he was looking for a crew. Mm. And uh, my kids were. I didn't know actually. Uh, I didn't know anything. Mm. I showed up and I. 
I raised my hand. He said, "Well, who can do first aiding?" Hmm. I, I had no idea what first aiding was. <laughs> yes. I said, "Yeah, I'm going to do it." And he said, "What experience do you have?" I said, "None." <laughs> he was in filming. None. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, "By the way, we're shooting like wow. next week." You know, hmm. he was in pre-production already. Hmm. So I booked a ticket to India because my kids were very young and they were on a holiday. Hmm. This was in August hmm. of 2008, I think. Hmm. And I texted my mother and I said, "You need to meet me in Delhi. I'm going to deposit the kids with you, and I'm going to do a short course in filming. Because for me, it was a learning on the job. You know, mm. where was I going to leave my kids and go and attend school and all that? It didn't happen in our culture. Yes. So that's what I did. I went to Delhi just for a day. I dropped both these little kids, little toddlers. Then mm-hmm. I dropped them to my mother. After them, well, came back mm. here, and I was hands on with Kibera Kid, and I. Forget first aiding. I became the producer of Kibera Kid because I handled the finances, the schedules. It was a low budget film, and we shot on 16 mm. You know, mm, it was mm. still film. Mm. But I learned so much on that one project, and it ended up winning uh, the best children's film in the Emmy Emmy Award because he was American. You know, awesome. And mm. with the, yeah, and with that, I got also I knew how to market uh, through him. Mm. You know, without mm. a and it. Festivals, then the award we got, hmm. and then I started with Subira. I thought I had enough knowledge, hmm. and then I started with Subira. The short film is a short film, and you can watch it on YouTube. And so then I started writing the short film Subira, and it was just coming out, you know. Hmm. Uh, so ch- yes, I was waking up four a.m. The creative process was so crazy in my life. Awesome. I would wake up four a.m. and I would just write and write and write. Hmm. And so Subira came to me so easily. I just did not know how to structure it, hmm. and I would. It feels, uh, you know, book part one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, yeah. I mean, I remember the laptop taking it with me to India in the aeroplanes, writing the script there because when does one have time when I have to go pick up my kids? And yes. So that's the journey has been very intense for me. Filmmaking is very mm. intense, mm. you know. But now that the first film is out of my system, mm. I feel um, that I know the platform, I know the journey. You know? Yes, absolutely. I think I think this is such an inspiring story, and I think uh, our li- our listeners can definitely go and watch the short film Subira on <laughs> YouTube, and you yeah. know, definitely wait for your feature length. But yeah. tell me something, Ravneet. How did your family respond when you told them you want to make films? I think they think thought I was nuts. <laughs> so ten years, <laughs> my husband was like, "Do you realize we live in Nairobi, not in Mumbai, not in LA?" You know the yes. two. Producing, uh, yes. yeah, but it was an emotional call for me. You see, I mm. was feeling very suffocated. I had heavy emotions. Yes, so it was like filming was like a release for me. So none of the logical things made sense to me anyway. Mm. I just had to address the anger that was within me, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but now that all this has happened, my husband is my biggest fan, and you know. <laughs> uh, Everybody's like, "Wow, how did this happen?" And you know, now I'm interviewing all the time. Ravneet, would you like to take us through, you know, the process of it? You know, after you wrote the script, what happened? You see, I had, uh, for me, if I can just talk about the script actually before that. Yes, please. Because it's linked mm. to the script. Please. Yeah. Uh, what happened was that when I started writing, mm. it took me a long time to write because mm-hmm. actually writing was catharsis for me, but mm. I was writing it in a Mm-hmm. script form mm-hmm. so the fact that I was abandoned and I was sent to boarding school and mm-hmm. you know I was disguising it but mm-hmm. I was writing from a very subconscious uh, you know mm-hmm. place nice. I would drop my kids mm-hmm. to school mm-hmm. 
come back home hmm. and I would just write and write. And this went on and on and on for four years. Hmm. But, you know, I was feeling such a release within me. And I often tell people that if I hadn't written over the four years, I would have actually developed cancer in my body. Oh. Because I just felt hmm. that I was abandoned by my family. I did not have a family. Hmm. All those, you know, hmm. crazy stories. Of hmm. course, my parents abandoned me. Hmm. But this is what I made it mean to a five-year-old, you know. Hmm. Hmm. So it out of the form of a catharsis mm-hmm. and but when I shot the script later to uh, you know for again for Kenya Film Commission they would come mm-hmm. as part of Kenya International um, Film Festival the mm-hmm. jurists would come who are renowned filmmakers from everywhere all around the world mm-hmm. and I would show them my script one especially one Italian person is a friend of mine Ferdinando mm-hmm. and I uh, I showed him my script because I don't know what you're talking about. This is not a film script. Just the format is that. Mm. But the structure, you don't. So mm. it took me a long time to find a script writer. Mm. And finally, I found a Danish woman who is a very good friend of mine today. But she is also my co-producer and my co-writer on Subira. Awesome. And uh, she took an interview mm-hmm. of me. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm not wasting my time. Mm-hmm. Only if this woman knows her story and where she's going, I will you know, fly down to Kenya. Mm. So I had to pitch my project, uh, you know, on the phone. But I was very clear what the story was, you know. Mm-hmm. So she said, you have a feature film, you have the beats, you just don't have your structures, a complete mess. Mm. So she was all right, come down and this is my fee. And I was willing to pay even double the fee because I was desperate to get this project off the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. So I agreed to that. We signed a contract and she came down for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have a beautiful studio here. Mm-hmm. in my house and mm-hmm. we went through the whole thing I would act out the characters and she'd be on the computer cleaning the script up you know mm. and uh, she saw my passion and she saw the commitment I mean there is the father-in-law who I make very negative he's a mm. stereotype actually mm-hmm. but I'm not willing to judge him you know because I felt we're going to cause a shift in society if we just let the characters be the way they are mm-hmm. She saw my commitment to my characters. She said, you know, actually, I'd love to produce this for you. So then she uh, went back with the script. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she went to Denmark, it's a Muslim story. Subira is a Muslim story. Mm, yes. And it's very much for an uh, empowered woman. And then she swims in the ocean. She jumps in. So it's a bit risky at that time, about 10 years ago, when all that bombing was happening in Europe and yes. ISIS was very you know, active. So when she went back mm-hmm. to Denmark, mm-hmm. the next week we were supposed to, um, you know, meet with another very renowned producer with whom Vibika works with their uh, team. Mm-hmm. But the bomb went off about two blocks away from the office, you know, the ISIS bomb. Oh, yeah. So of course you know, they were not going to look at that. And she, <clears throat> I remember calling me up and saying, you know, Sipi, I'm so sorry. The timing is so off for this film. Mm-hmm. And you know, Suchita, I just. I remember this. I just called the project off in my head. I had struggled mm. so hard for it. And I yeah. said, if I don't get this off the ground, I am not going to do the film. I'm not even going to be a filmmaker. Mm. So I called it off and I wrote an email to her and her co-producer. And I said, guys, I understand it's a you know, Muslim film. <clears throat> the timing is off. It's okay. I'm no longer a filmmaker. And I declared it on my Facebook wall and here there. Mm. And, I, and I quit, you know. So the process has been very hard for me, you know. Mm. And then uh, another thing I do is coaching, life coaching, because um, I was a certified coach as well. And then I mm-hmm. started my coaching practice. Mm-hmm. And there felt was that when people came in to get coached, they were in a very low position in their life. Mm. And I was holding space for their greatness. Mm. And awesome. over a 
about three, yeah, over about three, four sessions, mm. they were back in their power. And I felt if they can be back in their power, so can I, you know? Yes, yes. Mm. I, think, I, think, I think I just want to sort of, you know, this is very interesting, you being a life coach, you know. Uh, uh, I think the moment you give it out to life, you know, like to life uh, in a bigger picture, it somewhere yeah. comes back to you. Yeah. It's a very, back to you. Uh, yeah, it's a very give and, and take process, yeah. Very true, very true. Yeah. And also, you know, life coaching is much more easier for me, I thought, mm. compared to filmmaking. Filmmaking is collaborative. Yes. Also, the outreach is much more into the world. Mm. You know, you're sending that one message, but you're sending it out into the world. Yes. So for me, that was very fascinating, that film as mm. a medium, you know, mm. Mm. versus coaching. Coaching, okay, about six to eight clients, you're sorting them out mm. every day. Mm. But it's just six to eight, you know. Yes. So... Once I conquered coaching, I was successful. Mm-hmm. I think I was coming back into my power, you know. Mm. And one day I just decided that I'm going to do Subira no matter what. Mm. So I wrote to my producer, um, Vibeka, in uh, Denmark. And mm-hmm. I said, I don't know where you are in your life. I think this was only a year after that, you know. Mm. So 2016, I um, called her up. And she, I think she was in a week's time, she was visiting Kenya again. And uh, we talked about it and she said, well, the script is very right. Do not touch the script. You have a great story. Mm-hmm. What are your finances like? And, you know, I am from the finance background. So I had been saving over 10 years. Ever since I came into filming, mm-hmm. I had been saving, been mm-hmm. investing and share market and even in India and mutual funds and, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there was quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So I told her the amount. And she said, oh, my God, we can actually start from this. Mm. And she goes, okay, I'm coming on board. Mm. So she came on board and from there very quickly things started to move because she's a very well-known, uh, she's actually a writer-director more mm. than a producer. Mm. Very well-known in Denmark. So mm. for example, we knew what the story was. A lot of it was water, you know, symbolizing emotions. Mm. And she said, I know a guy who will turn this into a beauty, you know, a beautiful picture. Mm. So Talib Rasmussen, he's half uh, Zanzibarian and half Danish, mm. but his work is very sensitive around water and, you know, very beautiful sceneries. Mm. So she sent the script to him and he said, oh my God, I would love to work with you. What is the script? And because it was from East Africa, mm. he was keen coming in and doing a story here. So he mm. was in America shooting. She sent the film the script there. He, he didn't have a chance to read it, but eventually he read it in two weeks. He loved the story. So so I had phone calls with him on Skype because he wanted a particular, you know, if they put their name on it, it has to be of a particular caliber. Mm. So then he told me that his first lead team and all he already had in, you know, Tanzania, that I needed to have them in Nairobi. Mm. I said, done, because I'd, I'd heard, I'd seen his, you know, showreel was just amazing. Mm. So things like that, you know, the project fell into place once Vibaka came on board, you know. Mm. Awesome. And the mm. editor, his editing team is from uh, LA, except, of course, one editor is Kenyan. Mm. And then uh, Terry Kelly so with Paramount Studios. Mm. And he's done, um, he's... He's, I think, three Emmy Awards behind him. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he's done Homeland. He's done Magicians currently. Many, many. Mm-hmm. He's uh, very a genius, you know, at work. Mm-hmm. And the color greatest, Anastasia, is a very perfectionist and a very good high-quality uh, person in L.A. Mm-hmm. Another person who's worked in Universal, Frank Jones. And he came in and did production design. Mm-hmm. Not production design, sound design. Mm-hmm. post-production mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. LA. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the key players around the film are very experienced and very brilliant in their work, you know. Awesome. And the Kenyan team, Kenyan yeah. actors are the, very good by international standards. Brenda is a very well-known actress here. Mm-hmm. And um, by any standards, she's done a very good job. The mm. one who plays Subira. Mm. And Ruth, uh, her husband who plays is a first-timer, but he has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Then their crew, the crew was so well oiled, you know, they would get up in the morning, 5 a.m., nobody talked. They were just focused on their areas of work, getting their things done, whether it's costumes, whether it's, uh, you know, production, line producing, first AD, catering, makeup. Everybody was so, um, you know, just quietly doing their own work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we who's worked on millions of dollars of, uh, you know, budget films from Hollywood and in Denmark, she looked at it and she goes, you have no idea what you have here. You have a low budget, but this is what millions of dollars, because what they produced, we finished two days before schedule. This is unheard of, you know. Mm-hmm. Ravneet, coming to uh, the Kenyan film industry, what's the situation there? Like, you know, India produces like thousand films a year. Uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, Kenya is uh, very nascent in that uh, stage. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, the the industry is, uh, I should say the industry is there, but of course you can't compare it to Bollywood is, I think, leading in the world even mm. more than Hollywood, yeah? Yes. And probably uh, Hollywood comes second. Mm. Um, and then I think is the Nigerian film industry. Mm-hmm. And um, Kenya is one of the very... Um, they're small on the world scale. We are small on the world scale. Mm-hmm. So I think about about 15, 16 films probably are getting made. Uh, but then good quality, you need money. I think there's loads of talent here. Mm-hmm. And expertise also. But mm-hmm. what we need is finance. You know, we need producers here with vision to match the artists. Mm-hmm. So it's happening. I think it's happening. But um, push and pull. At least we're sending our films to the Oscars. You mm-hmm. know, they have been sending it's happening hmm. uh, like you mentioned the producers are uh, there are not many producers out there uh, I think specifically for uh, you know independent films there or is everything independent I think everything is independent yeah hmm. there is a German company from Germany here called One Fine Day Films mm-hmm. and uh, they but they have a training model you know they mm-hmm. get funding to train uh, people here mm-hmm. which has worked very well because the crew I got were mostly trained through them so thank God to One Fine Day Films that we have, uh, you know, at least crew that are uh, up to mark with world standards. While I was working, I never saw a woman technician there. Although a lot of actors were there. No, no, there's so many. Mm. The Kenyans are fiercely independent, you know. Mm. And uh, mm. in fact, my line producer was a woman called mm. Maureen Wanjiku. She's just fantastic. She's a genius level. Mm. She came in at a time where we were um, about two weeks to go to shoot so we mm-hmm. went pre-production but things were not working out mm-hmm. I mean my budget up and down and the person who's handling it earlier was not capable I figured that out very earlier mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. and I was with very high recommendations mm-hmm. she walked in into the meeting room in our production office mm-hmm. with her eyes shut like that you know because there was so much pressure and tension yes, yeah. and that woman in three days sorted us so much she mm-hmm. told me get off my budget she wanted me to hand over the entire budget to her because I did not have anybody capable. So I was holding on to the last minute, you know. Yes. She goes, no. And she, she 
sort of uh, because I was the director and if you don't have a you know comfortable director you're not going to have a movie yes. so my experience of directing under her as a line producer she handled the entire crew you know hmm. so I can't take the success of the film single handedly and you know I think each and everyone has to be credited absolutely and what about the language Swahili so Swahili is the local language yes, here and yeah. uh, we shoot it because uh in Lamu, they speak Swahili. So mm. that's what we started the film with in Lamu. Sumira mm. being a little girl. Yeah. And then you know, the film comes to Nairobi. And here it's an English speaking, largely English speaking, you know, world. Mm. So we showed it English speaking. And so it's 50% Swahili and 50% English. I myself, I speak broken Swahili. Mm. So I hired a director who would translate for me and mm. between the actors and you know in mm. Lamu I did not mm. need it but was, uh, Subira herself Brenda speaks very good um, Swahili and mm. English so there was mm. no problem there but I think for Lamu uh, characters who mm. don't understand English and mm. I don't speak Swahili mm. we had an interpreter uh, we really wish that uh, you know Subira wins at the Academy 2020 and uh, what are your hopes what are you what, what, you what are your hopes what are you planning next for it um, for Subira yes for Subira, uh, we are talking to Netflix via mm. my uh, world sales agent. He's based in Germany. So mm. for Africa acquisition rights, mm. we already have US distribution. Mm. Um, for Subira, yes, it's the shortlist um, is going to be announced for the Oscars on 16th of December. So fingers mm. crossed that we yes. make shortlist. Yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely. It'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, one step at a time. But yes. so far, it's just been the journey has been great, mm. the learning has been great, and yes. uh, we're showing it in Lamu as well. Mm. Part of the Lamu Film Cultural Festival is happening uh, mid December, uh-huh. so hopefully, we screen it there. That's what we're hoping, and show it to the people of Lamu, you know. Our yeah. best wishes for Sabira Ravni. I think one of uh, the fantastic takeaways from this episode of the podcast is go for your dreams no matter where you're standing in life be inspired get inspired check out your calling also you should keep making the small snippets of films with your loved ones with your dear ones with your family cut it out and uh, see what kind of emotions you are catching and so you'll come to know a lot about your own self when you do that I hope you guys are enjoying the show. Well, I've got some queries in terms of the business aspect of making films. Yes, that's tough. So we're going to get some more episodes on the business side of making films because at the end of the day, it's about showing the money.